Hey guys, welcome to the Last Set Podcast. Um, wow, UFC 264, full of different surprises. So um, let's start off, Conor McGregor. That was, was a very, di- well. It was very, very weird to see with a, a very, very freak kind of, it, it looked a little bit lower down on it. So some, sometimes when um, thinking back to Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman, um, it's typically when they've had those leg breaks, it's following a kick. Whereas with uh, McGregor, it originally looked like it was some form of drop foot um, that could have been caused by a kick, but he stepped on it and it twisted and then it looked like either his tibia or fibula, which are the two bones in your lower limb, um, must have broke. Um, and he just he just dropped back and basically was just trying his best just to cover up and things like that. Um, and just with like the last five seconds left, Dustin walked off and Connor, he had the uh, little floppy ankle. There's, there was there was no way that he wouldn't even stand up. He had to be taken on a stretcher, which is... Funny how you mentioned that, is, because he actually said to um, Dustin, you're going to be taken off on the stretcher. You're going to be taken out on stretcher. It was actually yeah. Connor that him out on stretcher. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, well, there's a lot. well, there's a lot of argument about... The initial fracture must have occurred when he checked a calf kick within the first, like, 10 seconds of the fight. Mm. And then D- apparently Dustin pointed at him, and that's when he believed that he felt some kind of fracture. And after uh, lo- looking a little further into it and getting a doctor's opinion, they said that the f- there must have been an initial fracture somewhere in the fight because the way that he rolled, it's very, it, didn't, it, it, felt like it, ga- it looked like it gave in very, very easily. I think the actual initial fracture was before the fight. Yeah. I think that it probably happened in training. Do you That's reckon? That's why a lot, a lot of the time happens with like, like th- talk about Chris Weidman. He broke his leg like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is impact, but it's not common in the UFC. And people are smacking chin on chin all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and these fighters don't have untrained, unconditioned shins. They do condition their shins an incredible amount. Um, it's most likely the amount of sparring and training and, and kicking that they're doing. There's just limits of the human body sometimes. And when you have too high kind of the volume of amount of strikes that you're doing in training camp and, and things like that, look, it's just, it's just going to happen. So I think the initial fracture was probably even beforehand um, because there wasn't a whole lot of kicking going on there was a little bit of lower leg kicks from connor and he was putting a lot behind it but i I don't i don't think that's what happened i i think it it was just an accumulation of damage after the training camp and then it's let go and to be honest it'll also be due to how well dustin was conditioned himself so no i think it's one of those freak ones um it was interesting to see that Connor dived for the for the guillotine. Oh um, yeah, that's because we that was definitely a big surprise because that's usually what Dustin does. Whenever someone tries to take down Dustin, he usually puts him in a tight guillotine. Mm. And I was kind of impressed because I, I wanted Connor to use his grappling. We talk about all the time about how underrated his grappling is, mm. and then it was a little bit more on display there, and he seemed to be very comfortable. However, when Dustin did have the top position, he was raining down. And he did manage to get a few strikes in. But at the same time, Connor seemed very comfortable on his back with the up kicks. Mm. And 
he did deliver some big elbows. Um, there was one point um, when Dustin was uh, talking to Joe Rogan after the fight about apparently Connor was holding onto his gloves or yeah, hooking on his had gloves. Yeah, about three fingers underneath the, the cuff of his gloves and pulling him down into up kicks. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like Connor hasn't done that before. He did that all the time in the Habib fight. He literally kneed a down opponent when Habib was in, I think, side control or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Connor would just whack him with his knee over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor often does that kind of thing later on in his career. Um, it's um, it's a funny kind of situation because Connor had, had his best work at featherweight. There's yeah. no denying that. Featherweight Connor was. And lightweight Connor, very very slick. Welterweight, not his his division. Lightweight is is a reasonable de- decision uh, de- division for for Connor, but I think the amount of output he can produce at lightweight is a lot less than what he could produce at featherweight. Because mm-hmm. he would often say at featherweight, I can go all day. I can go all day. His movement in and out, and um, he had a big size advantage at featherweight as well. Lightweight. He's more of a just a regular bloke mm-hmm. uh, at lightweight. He's just got a little. He's a little bit more muscular in his frame and things like that. And I think Dustin, Dustin, just lightweight is just he's fucking really yeah. good at lightweight. He's yeah. really made lightweight his home. And you can't. I, I I thought it was interesting that Connor was the underdog, but it was warranted since Dustin had been so much more active than Connor in and out of like the UFC as well since you know Connor would have long stints in between fights in many different weight classes whereas Dustin consistently went at featherweight then moved up to lightweight and that was his home he didn't do any dropping up and down that's where he made his yeah. home he fought he fought the um Eddie Alvarez he twice um uh, Justin Gaethje Habib Nurmagomedov um he's now fought Connor um three times if he's fought max holloway twice yeah twice as well like the people he scraps with and 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 like even like dan hooker and things like that look Mm. everybody he's fought has been the cream of the crop the best ever and he's never stopped he's just a whole lot more seasoned yeah he is and he's so much more durable there were you know there was a shot in that fight where similar to the the second fight connor had kind of he'd sparked Poirier and he mm. and he obviously felt it but his, mm. his legs were still there still underneath him Connor just um he looked better in terms of using his f- more fluid movement and yeah. that he seemed a lot more quicker he seemed a little bit more versatile he wasn't just using that flat foot boxing that we talked about in the last uh um, last fight he used like he was in going in now you know obviously he was using those leg kicks it was definitely a little bit more grappling it was he definitely had improved himself since the last mm, fight, yeah. which was kind of strange because and also because I kind of felt like there was a little bit, there was so much more that we could have seen in this if it went to round two. Mm. I reckon round two would have been a much more impressive round if it wasn't for that, um, just for that leg break. I honestly would have, I, I, I'm saying uh, not to get too far ahead, but and we discussed this before the podcast about that the, this there probably won't be another fight, but I want there to be another fight. I really, really do because I felt like there was just something waiting off the back that we just didn't get to see. Yeah, I think um, I think the second round would have been different. 
mainly just because they're both quite freaky athletes, mm. right? They're Dustin and Connor in their own rights are freaky athletes. Um, Dustin's kind of cardio and his durability and the way he switches stances and Connor's just freak power. But to be honest, I felt like Connor's just, because he was really active at featherweight and then moved up to lightweight, his timing was solid because he'd been active. Connor's timing's not the same it was before. There was a lot of strikes that he threw that, that hit the mark, but the timing wasn't quite right. And I think uh, I think after those two guillotine attempts where he's squeezing as tight as he can, his arms were probably spent, honestly. I reckon second second round he might have had hope, but if it went any further, I think, uh, I think he accumulates damage from there, which mm-hmm. sucks because I know his conditioning looked a lot better. In the second and the third fight, I thought his conditioning looked way better. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, I thought his arms would be spent after those two guillotine attempts. After the first guillotine didn't work, I wish he... I wish he what, he... what he did was he tried to reverse it or he tried to go, all right, guillotine didn't work, boom, get up, rather than yeah. try and just recover until the next round. I'll knock him out then. I wish he disengaged, got back to the feet and started going again rather than trying to go for the first guillotine. All right, it didn't work. I'll go for the se- the second one. It, it wasn't. He's already squeezing for the life of him. After the first guillotine broke and his hands broke, he was basically just holding on with the one arm and it's not going to do anything. No. Um I, I wish he just disengaged from there because he had a little bit of space once it didn't work and... Dustin was trying to pull his head out. He had a little bit of space where he was like, all right, I'm not going to get for this guillotine. Why should I try any harder? Yeah. He's created space. I'll disengage. Yeah. But it didn't happen. Also, we should just stay on the ground. He didn't have long to go. He only had like 15 seconds left of the round when he got back up. <sighs> yeah. I, I think, reckon he should have yeah. just stayed down. He was doing really well. He was holding himself. Dustin's He's, got power too. Yeah. So yeah he's he just, just held his own. Back. I mean, and that's, that's good on him. And now... Fuck, it's just, it's, it's kind of like, I just feel like it's left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. All, all those anti Connor fanboys are just making the most of it and they're going back on the things that he said. And I can't wait to see the, the, yeah. what is it, the, the Jake, the oh, Paul brothers? Oh, um, they're already saying like our, our new, our new offer is $23. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was, um, Connor, that really pissed me off because. You guys are just clout chasers. Yeah. You're just clout chasers. And I, I never like it when all the, like a lot of these fighters were like, I, I saw like Uriah Hall and all these different fighters come out and be like, um, even Bala, like Bilal Muhammad. They're, they're all taking advantage of Connor's demise. Yeah. And I think that it's just like a lot of fighters were just like, you know, there were, there were some good moments for some fighters. Like they were like, yeah, that that's all good. Well, one of them I was very impressed with was John Jones. Yeah, John Jones was saying, "Rest up, champ. Yeah. I hope you get better." Yeah, he and that I thought that one was very very fair. Um, Daniel Cornier was making like a slight jab, like mm. like he was correcting. I was funny how he, this fight game was crazy. It's funny how he said he was going to put him on a stretcher, but Connor comes out on the stretcher. Um, and then non-fighters were just saying, oh, that's what you get for making fun of somebody's wife. Look, listen, it's the fight game. People get involved because Connor says those sorts of things. And, you know, this, this is the problem when it comes to all these, like, casual fans, especially, especially like, casual 
celebrity fans as well. People who, you know, they don't watch a typical UFC fight or they just don't watch a, a fight night. They just watch that one or two cards a year because he's on it. And then if they feel like they've got to have something to say just because he loses. However, if Conor won that, everyone would probably be like, oh, surprise, surprise, the king's back. You know what I mean? I, yeah, and I think a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon of being like, all right, Conor's done and things yeah. like that. Do, well, do you? What, what's your take? I don't think he's done. But I think that, like, by br- he's either broken his tibia or his fibula. Mm-hmm. There has to be one of those bones in his, uh, his lower limb that had to break. There's only two. So we know from Chris Weidman, it would take probably about six to eight weeks just for him to walk on it and be able to walk around. Mm-hmm. It would most likely take at least a year to be an ath- a place where you can athletically perform. We're not going to see Connor in 2021 again. We'll see him in 2022. I think that leaves a, a bad taste in his mouth. Yeah. Um, and I think Dustin goes to fight Oliveira. Yeah, that's 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 definitely going to happen. Most um, it'll most likely happen around maybe November or December. And well, I think I really do take Poirier in that fight. I think I I think Oliveira is very good. But I think in the Michael Chandler fight that it showed that I think even I think Connor could beat Oliveira, right? But I think Dustin's uh, even worse matchup than that. I think mm-hmm. Dustin's so well rounded. Um, I think Dustin would beat Oliveira as well. So I think Dustin fights Oliveira. Connor takes time off, recovers. I think he needs a step down in competition. Mm. I think he needs a Jafiel de Santos. Um, I was funny. He, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, as he also had a scrimmage with him because um, he was also he was talking. Weight. He was talking about him. He was making weight. Yeah, he was making weight. But it was also saying, "Oh, you made fun of me for breaking my leg or something before the fight. Rest up, because that's what happened. He to broke him. his toe. Broke his toe and all that. Okay. Yeah." So I reckon if Conor were to come back, then I reckon to fight RDA would be a good fight for him because they were supposed to fight in the past at lightweight for the lightweight title, but they never did. To be fair, Conor broke his his toe and fought Habib. Yeah. My foot was like a balloon. Yeah. (laughs) RDA broke uh, broke a toe in his foot and he pulled out. So um, you can't really do much on a broken leg. You couldn't stand. He broke his foot two weeks before the fight and exactly. still won. Exactly. Yeah. So it, I think broken toes are not a huge. I mean, John Jones broke his toe, didn't even notice. He he, he beat um he fucking beat Charles Sutton. Charles Sutton. Like yeah. It, it, uh, those are minor ones. So that one's not really comparable. Okay. Um, but I think Connor needs a. I think Connor needs a step down in competition. Yeah. If he's to, and I think it's either against an RDA, a Tony, or. Perhaps a, a, a Justin Gaethje. Well, Justin Gaethje, I reckon the best matchup for him everyone's talking about is him versus Chandler. That would be the next one. That's, That's why I said one. the RDA one beforehand, yeah. Here's what I feel like it could still be a possibility. Because Connor is this much of a draw, even though I believe some of his stock has definitely gone down for sure. Because mm. now he's got six losses on his on his uh, career. 22 and six. 22 and six. I still feel like there's just a little bit of a power that he could have because if he takes his time off, he recovers, he gets better, it takes the process of over a year. Dustin Poirier could become champion in that time. 
I reckon he could come back straight away and go for that fourth fight. However, or what I think could happen is he comes back, fights RDA. I can see him winning the in, against RDA, potentially, okay? And then he fights Dustin for the title. And in the fourth, and not even that, but like the fourth ever fight in the UFC, because I, I don't think we've ever had a, I don't think, ever think two fighters have fought each other four times before in the UFC. No. I don't think it's ever happened. It's never happened. It's never happened. There you go. For the fourth time and for the title. That will probably be the best pay-per-view buyers of all time. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening. Yeah, I can see that being a, a massive fight. I think I think Connor needs to win two fights before yeah. fighting. Because he's one in three at lightweight. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's not good. It's not I a mean, good place. I mean, to be, to be fair, right? If you want to break down his losses, yeah, um, he won against Eddie, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, he lost against Habib, who's considered the greatest lightweight champion ever. He lost to Dustin Poirier twice, one by doctor stoppage and <laughs> one by being knocked out. Yeah, he wanted to make sure it was doctor stoppage as well. <laughs> so a lot of people are clowning him now, saying it's one one and one now. Yeah. Um, well, do you? Th- I reckon. I reckon. It, I kind of agree with that. One, one, and one. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm trying to make out is that, yes, he was one and three, but he's one and three against beating Eddie Alvarez, uh, Bellator, and UFC lightweight champion. And if he does very well in one championship, he'll be another lightweight champion there. Mm-hmm. He lost to Habib Nurmagomedov, one of the greatest lightweight champions, well, if not the greatest lightweight champion ever. And he's lost to Dustin Poirier, Who's the interim? Who's an ex interim lightweight champion and has defeated ex interim champions and UFC champions yeah. himself. So he's he's lost to the very very best. So I think he just needs to step down in competition, and that that's not a bad thing. It's just you've been out of the game. What what do you reckon? You know these guys are going to keep going, and mm. uh, I think Dustin fights Charles Oliveira and Connor fights. Two more fights. One has to be probably outside the top five, and one has to be inside the top five. Yeah, and a star power take takes like care of the rest. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. It's just I'm thinking to myself tomorrow, to myself right now. What if there was an ultimate universe where Connor never took the Floyd Mayweather fight? Mm. I'm thinking about that's what I'm thinking because I feel like that's when after the Floyd Mayweather, that's when everything was just kind of went downhill. I think he just fell in love with the hands, uh, took a lot of time out of yeah. the game, got a huge payday that like absolutely, it, it it absolutely made the UFC money look like pennies and yeah. peanuts, and then he came back for the Habib fight, and he he fought the worst stylistic matchup ever. Yeah, and he was and Habib was is the the greatest lightweight champion ever. So. It definitely just wrecked him from there. It wrecked him from there and then yeah. went to welterweight, which is not in lightweight. So, like, look, it's just... He's 2-0 and oh at... Well, what is he? No, 2-1 and one at welterweight. Mm-hmm. He's, what, 7-0? Oh? Yeah. 7-0 and oh at featherweight, and he's 1-3. and three. So, he's just popped all around the place. He needs to... He just needs to... Either stick to lightweight or stick to featherweight. Because yeah. I think if he moved to featherweight, he'd butcher all of them. Yeah. But I th- um, then the issue would be maybe like a Zabit, Ma- Ma- Mega Man Sharipov. But um, 
but I, I, I think that lightweight, he's got to stick to lightweight, take time off, mm-hmm. have a drop down in competition, come back, fight someone out of the top five, fight someone inside the top five, while Dustin Poirier beats Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Either way, Connor, Connor will get to fight Dustin again one time, yeah, or get the champ, like get the belt, dangle it in front of Poirier to defend it, and then he leaves. Yeah. So there's a lot of moving parts and again like Dana says it's a lot about timing rather than yeah just picking fights um even like who knows by that time maybe an Islam Makachev's out there and and and, and he uses that fight to catapult himself even it, further it, but yeah um I think Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier 4 could happen yeah I just think it would probably happen in maybe 2 years time yeah you're right about that one thing I had to also mentioned was when Connor came out, he was wearing a gun, a uh, mouth guard that looked like the with the Brazilian uh, colors on it. Mm. And apparently, that's people saying that's a nod to Charles Oliveira. Mm. And that if Connor would have probably beat, if he beat Dustin in this one, he would have moved on to finding Charles Oliveira, which could have been definitely a potential potent, a possibility. But it's not going to happen now anytime soon. It's just, I think. Knowing Connor and the person that he is, knowing that the way that he's come from when it comes to injuries and like he tore his meniscus at one point in UFC. He blew had, his ACL. Yeah, blew his ACL. And a few weeks before the Chad Mendes fight and still fought. It's got me thinking. Staff before. Yeah. He's come back from injuries before and he's come back very strong. So. I rate the ACL one way more than a leg break. Yeah. To be honest, ACL's fucked. Yeah. That's one of the worst injuries for you to have yeah. if you're anywhere near your athletic prime and he managed to pull through and win, win two titles. So Yeah. Um, That's it, what it, I think. I it, think yeah. I think maybe it might not be a year. Maybe it might be six months. Uh, it's got to be more than a year. I don't think he would get cleared. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he'd get cleared. Yeah. Oh, oh, I just... I just uh, I think it could, it could, I could be six to eight months and then maybe almost a year, but I just, I don't know, just the way that he's come, when it comes to him and in injuries and the influence that he has, it, I don't know, I, I feel like a year might be too long, maybe, I, I, I don't know. Be too, I think it would be too soon since yeah. he already had a fight six months ago anyway. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. Plus, was this the same leg that he had an issue with after the uh, last fight? Um, I don't know to be honest. I'm oh, not, I'm was not it the same sure. leg? Also, they had an ACL injury on. Yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm it was sure. his left leg. It was left leg. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was his left leg. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't really know. I'm not too sure. Um, what what well, there was one fight that Dana wasn't too impressed with. Yeah, and that was the Stephen Thompson versus yeah. Gilbert Burns fight, and mainly it is due to Thompson's. Or Wonder Boys, um, just his stylistic matchup with any fighter. Yeah. He's very fluid on the feet. He keeps you at a distance with that front leg, with a you know either that that front leg side kick, or he'll go for a hook kick, or he'll beat up your leg. Um, and he's very tricky in terms of his height and his reach at mm. welterweight. And Gilbert Burns, look, everyone actually, I'll be honest, everyone was for. Stephen Thompson to yeah. win this fight. Everyone said this is a perfect matchup for Stephen Thompson. 
Uh, Gilbert's too small. His reach is, is too little compared to Thompson. Thompson's got that karate style, which is very hard to work out. And if mm-hmm. it's across three rounds, Gilbert won't have enough time to work it out. And we, we said ourselves, Gilbert will win. Most likely by decision. Yeah. But if you can get him down, maybe get a, a uh, submission or something like that. And um, that's exactly what happened. Won by unanimous decision. Yeah. 29 to 28. It wasn't really that exciting. Nothing happened in the first two minutes of the fight. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed because when I was watching Countdown, Gilbert Burns brought in a karate... Um, Raymond Daniels. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He brought him in to help him get ready. So I thought maybe he might show him something on the feet, but it looked like he almost threw everything that he learned with him out the window completely. There was barely any striking going on from Gilbert. And not even that, but when he was on the ground, when he was in his element, he didn't even look like he was doing much at all. He just held him mm-hmm. and he tried to push him up against the cage or held him on the ground and just deliver some strikes to um, to him on the ground or use his takedowns. And then... Yeah, just... I, don't I, know. I thought it was very weird by the crowd because the crowd often likes the stand-up fights. Yeah. And as of late, the last couple main, like, you know, big UFCs, um, big UFC events, like, whenever they get started into, like, wrestling and grappling, the crowd just boos and boos and boos. And, like, Gilbert's just trying to trying to put in the work it was it was like very similar to the like the Vittori fight Mm -hmm. yes the Vittori was probably doing a bit of stalling and he kept going going for the same double leg takedown that was Mm -hmm. never gonna work right Mm -hmm. but it was a lot different with Gilbert like Gilbert was trying for all different ones if he went for the double leg couldn't get it then he would hook around and try and 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 try and go for a single leg takedown then when he went to the single leg he would try and he was trying his hardest to get out of half guard and get into side control, but just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of times whenever he got to mount, Thompson would ju- have just enough space yet that he could sit up against the cage. Yeah, And then Gilbert would just be forced to do as much strikes as he could. He would often use his head as um, a little bit, a little way to like make space. So Mr. Gilbert, big, big fat neck. Um, yeah. As he's called big, big fat neck. Yeah. He, uh, he would often use his head to nudge up and make space in between his opponent and just continue to tee off on him. But that first round was so slow. It was. It, it was, was so slow. I think Gilbert edged it just because of control. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, he's like screaming and celebrating after. I just felt like Gilbert just wanted to play it safe. You know what I mean? He didn't want to sacrifice his ranking. Mm. He's number two. Um, He's number two contender, number one, Colby Covington, who... You know, should hopefully be finding Kamara Usman at some point, maybe by the end of this year. Mm. Uh, what was this? Yeah, just he didn't want to risk it to Stephen uh, because he, if he lost to Stephen, he might never get that uh, title shot again. Um, but I felt like I kind of wanted more for Stephen Thompson to win because he's thirty-eight mm. and he's beloved by the fans, and yeah, the people argue that he was robbed when it came to the time where Woodley fight when the first fight when they ended in a draw. Which makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I understand. There was just a lot of inactivity. However, there was one point where I thought it was go- really starting to go when S- Stephen Tussum hit him with a spinning back kick. It was a very fluid back- spinning back kick as well. And he started to wobble a little bit, but then Gilbert sort of regained, recovered a little bit from that. So, Oh, the spinning hook kick. A uh, spinning hook kick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's 
was probably the most exciting part of the fight. But other than that, it was very... Uh, Gilbert closed the distance a couple of times yeah. and, and caught him with some, some right hooks and things like that. Yeah. Did you agree with those last kind of moments of the fight where he was trying to just hit him as much as he could when uh, Thompson was up against the cage? And when it was slowed down... All right, so before it was slowed down, it looked like a lot of the shots were to the back of the head. Yeah. And then when it was slowed down a lot, a lot of them missed their target. Uh, a couple of them hit the back of the head, but a lot of them were hitting the back of Thompson's shoulders. Yeah. Things like that. And he basically was just trying to get as many strikes as yeah. he could just to Points. end. Yeah, and it... They did that at the end of each round as well. Yeah. At the end of the second round, they were both punching each other in the, the face. The only person to ever knock out uh, Thompson in the UFC has been uh, Anthony Pettis, who yeah. is kind of a blown up lightweight, to be yeah. honest. Um, often, if you need to beat Thompson, you need to play his game, which is outpoint him. Be safe, let him be first, counter him, and win by points. Mm. And beat the shit out of his legs. Mm. And, th- and then, and so he doesn't move around so much. And that's the game plan for everyone. And it's the most obvious game plan because... Thompson makes it very difficult for you to fight him. He makes it very, very weird, and he makes it. He makes you think about so much, even though he's not really threatening you with any takedowns or anything like that. Um, I mean, Gilbert, he did the job. Won two of the two of the rounds, maybe round one, round three. I would maybe say Thompson gets the second round, but yeah, it was it was. I don't know. I even think maybe Gilbert. You could make the suggestion that even Gilbert won the second round as well. It was. Um, I mean, it was an anticlimactic fight. Because it was. I thought that the style that they had, it was just going to be Thompson's going to tee off as much as he can, and Gilbert is going to be forced to come in absolutely swinging and yeah. try and take Thompson's chin. And it just, yeah, I, I wasn't. I thought it was going to be a bit different from Thompson's usual matchups. But that's just what happened, you know. Either Thompson wins by decision or he loses by decision. It's yeah. it, it's been a long time since he's he's knocked out some opponents and things like that. So yeah. he just didn't want to make that risk. He didn't want to take the risk, especially against Stephen Thompson. It's a risky fight for anyone. That's why no one wants to take it. When yeah. Thompson calls out like Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal, they don't want to do it. I mean, Thompson's got a win over um, Jorge Masvidal. So it's, it's a wild card. Yeah. That's so, why. Yeah. So going 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 forwards, I think. If Colby's going to be fighting Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards is just sitting there, mm-hmm. I think either Gilbert has got to fight two people. He's either got to fight Leon Edwards or he's going to fight Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, but that's the thing. Um, Ma- Mas- Masvidal was like, um, who 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 did um you call call out? Oh yeah, so that could be definitely. Fight Burns, but the thing is, Marcel's dropped down. Obviously, in the rankings, it's number seven in the rank. Yeah, and Leon Edwards, he just wants a title shot right now, and he doesn't want to have to keep proving himself. I think he's going to wait. Yeah, and that's what's frustrating because Leon has got the win streak. Yeah, but he's in the last. The, the fight fans have recency bias. Yeah, always they yeah. always have recency bias. If yeah. if Connor beat someone, it beat Dustin Poirier, they, they would be like, oh, he's always been brilliant. He's always been good. But if Connor loses one or two fights, then he's like, oh, oh shit, he's yeah, a clown, he sucks. Yeah. There, there's there's recency bias there. So when Leon has put on a really impressive win streak, he's beat RDA, yeah. he's beat some incredible fighters, right? But he's been inactive for the last two years, no fault of his own. 
UK and yeah. COVID and all yeah. things like that, right? But the fight fans aren't super interested in as a business. Because, so yeah, because of his performance against Diaz. So so Leon has to make himself relevant. He made himself a little bit relevant when with the Bilal fight when he poked his eye. And then when he fought Nate Diaz, he beat Nate Diaz comfortably, but Diaz wasn't even ranked. No. And he might have had the opportunity to go straight to a title if he knocked out Diaz, which is a hard move himself since... Uh, I think what the only person to do that of late has been Josh Thompson. So yeah, it's Leon's got to do something because he can't just wait around for the fight. Kamaru is going to fight Colby at some point. Yeah. Leon's got to fight. um, Masvidal probably. He's got to, he's either either fight Masvidal or he's got to fight Gilbert. And I think Gilbert's the right move instead of, yeah, because you think about it, it depends on what you want more. I feel like Leon versus Masada will sell more. Yeah, I think it will. I think it will. That's why I'm thinking um, Gilbert versus Masvidal would do better because whoever wins out of that fight can go straight to fighting a Kamaru or, or maybe a Leon, right? Since they're higher ranked. If Leon was to fight Jorge... And Leon beats Jorge. Does it really do that much for him? No, it probably not. He should probably fight Gilbert, who's actually on a win streak. Yeah, and that way he's gone. Okay, I've had genuine opponents. Mm. Let's go. Yeah. And and it would be actually a fresh change for Kamara, who I think he's looking for a fresh change. Yeah, because now he's just lapping people. Now it's becoming rematches. And yeah, and I'm well, getting the impression he's bored. Well, that's the other thing, you know. The 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 uh, why why. They could go with a third option or just not have this Colby Covington rematch and just let Leon have his title shot. Because Colby Covington's... He's on a one-fight win streak. He, yeah. he, he beat Tyler Woodley, Woodley, but that was due to... It, it's TKO of Dr. Stoppage, to be fair. Yeah. He's, bro- he's broke his rib. Yeah. But that's... You don't know if maybe Colby's body shots broke the rib, fractured it, and then during that takedown, Tyron's lifted up. Yeah. Arched it and boom, and and that's when it's fully, fully broken. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that ribs always a funny one. But the thing is, like, he's only got a one fight win streak. Yes, it was a super close fight. Yeah, and it shouldn't have ended this the way it did. Yeah, against Kamaru. But if we're looking how the fifth round round went, I think Kamaru was still going to win. Yeah, it was close as fuck. Yeah, it was close. It was, and he broke his jaw in like the second or first round. Apparently. That report is incorrect. Mm-hmm. It did. He didn't break his jaw. He a didn't. lot of people. He said, "I think I broke my jaw." Yeah. And then all the media said, "Colby's going to need time time off because he's broken his jaw." Yeah. And then they used photos that were just off Google images, yeah. not actual Colby's there brain scans, uh, actual media. actual but bone scans. You know, there's definitely an argument for it, considering how close the fight was. It was a very, it was in terms if you it was a very good standing fight. It was the greatest welterweight fight I've ever seen. Yeah, there you go. Uh, because of the pace of Colby Covington, he doesn't hit hard. He hits a lot, mm. a lot. If you need any more clarification, go watch his fight against Robbie Lawler. Well, I think he broke the record for most strikes ever thrown in a waterway fight or yeah yeah i mean that's crazy stuff but for the for the time being um who do you think thompson should fight next because he's beat vicente luque yeah who's ranked below him 
And Vicente Luga is kind of a rising star at the moment. He's got a fight next week um, against Michael Casel, Michael Michael Chiesa. Yeah. And um, next week. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, next week. That is he, no, he's fighting on the um. Hold on. Uh, Macache- uh, he won't be on no, the no, so he's time. on the um, he's on f- the is it two weeks' time? Two weeks' time, yes. He's on the uh, what the hell? Where did I see it? And I'll, I'll find it. Hold on, no, he's fighting on sorry, 265, which is Cyril Garn versus Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fighting, yeah, welterweight fight. Got it, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. my bad. No, you're right, yeah, um, bad. uh, anyway, um. So if Vicente Luque and Marco Chiesa are kind of out of the way, let's say Marco Chiesa beats Vicente Luque. Yeah. Should he probably fight Thompson after that? That wouldn't be a bad one. It wouldn't be a bad one. Be a bad one. It's just a bit funny if Vince, Vicente Luque beats Marco Chiesa because Luque is a fucking killer. Do we really want to see him fight Thompson again since Thompson only fought him, what, his last... Second last fight, mm-hmm. third last fight. Yeah. So um, maybe, yeah, it just gets funny. Maybe a Bilal Muhammad or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. That'd that be would cool. Be better. That would be a cool fight for but sure. It kind of sucks for Thompson because he's thirty-eight, and this was meant to be his last run at the title. I feel like he's not going to kind of get. I don't think he's going to get Is it. Is he that old? I thought he was like thirty-six. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was thirty-eight. Yeah. It's kind of. Kind of a, it's a bad position for him. Um, it's, it's uh, yeah, no, you're correct. Thirty-eight, ten, yeah. thirty-eight this year. Yeah, that that's rough for a welterweight. You yeah. can get by with that in the maybe the lightweight division and yeah. uh, so light heavyweight division and the heavyweight division. But in a division where speed and durability is really important, especially it's part of your style too. Especially if it's part of your style. Look, he hasn't accumulated that much damage. That's yeah. the good thing about yeah. him because of his style. But when you're that old, your reaction time will slow down. Yeah. With against people that are much younger and fitter than you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, my favorite fight of the night was definitely the tie to Vasa versus Greg. It. Huh? We called it. Yeah, we, we called. Said, it. We said Ty would knock him out in the first first round. round. Well, he's not the kind of guy who likes to go to distance. No, I think neither it, does Greg Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, Tatavasa, I think when you fought, uh, um, oh, it's Butcher, his name. Um, Steven Struve? No, the one before that. Uh, Igon Blacko. Oh, fuck, I've had to figure, uh-huh. figure it out. But that his problem was his, um, was his endurance. And Tatavasa, he's so deadly in that first round, like we saw against, saw against Jeff, Stephen Struve. And Tatavasa, could this guy get any more loved? He comes out to Spice Girls. Mm. I don't remember the last time a fighter ever did that. No. And he had the whole crowd on his feet. Then he absolutely goes in there, puts him away. But it was a left hook. And what was it? And, and then he goes and starts doing shoeys and does like four beers before he even makes it to the end of the cage. At one point, I don't know why someone did this, but they gave him a shoey. And they put hot hot sauce in the beer. Yeah, it was because of Dustin Poirier's. And yeah. he went, ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a funny fucker, honestly. Yeah. He's so funny. He's so likable. Yeah. The thing is, he got rocked by Hardy for a second. Yeah. And then he went, okay, I've been here before. Yeah. He recovered. And then two seconds later, knocks out Hardy. Do you want know an interesting fact, right? Greg Hardy, in that, they were in there for a minute and seven seconds, right? Yeah. Greg Hardy, he threw six strikes. Yes. And he rocked 
Taitavasa with one. Taitavasa threw 11 strikes. Mm. Put Hardy out with mainly one. Mm. And then just fucking just went on and from there. You can't see from, so from the replay, you couldn't see because it was on the back of the head. But originally when you're watching the fight and you watch it a little bit closer, you can see Hardy's eyes roll back and he just goes to sleep. Ty's, Ty's a durable guy, right? And I think you've got to say, look, Hardy might not be that good a fighter, no. right? Because he's came from a different kind of athletic background, right? But he does come from a properly athletic background and yeah. he's learned stuff quickly. I think before the fight, we, we just mentioned, look, I don't think he's as good as a lot of people crack him up to be. Yes. Because he's fought a few cans, to mm -hmm. be honest. Um, and he's fought some other people that have very little experience. So when he was to fight Ty, we went, no, Ty is too durable, he's too quick. Mm -hmm. And he's been putting on a lot of work into his wrestling. At AKA and things like that. So, mm. I um I was really impressed with Ty. He's really, really impressed because he's on a free fight win streak right yeah. now, and he said he wants someone in the top ten or top fifteen. Probably top fifteen would probably be the best for him, to be honest. Yeah, and I was thinking there's two fights that really um have my attention right now. I reckon he should get Sergey Spivak. Yep, we saw him fight. Yep, I reckon that'd be a good one. Or that Polish cat Mycin Tabura. He's also on a free fight win streak. Here's why. Because he's already fought Blagoy uh, Ivanov, and he's on a two-fight losing streak right now. Yeah. Walt Harris is in 12, and he's on a three-fight losing streak. So I don't feel like those are the best matchups for him, even yeah. though they're 11 and 12. And then who are the other person who's 14th is Alexei Olenek. He's on a free fight losing streak right now. Mm -hmm. So that's why I don't feel like... That's why I feel like... Um, Mycin Tiberia is the best for option for him right now. I, do you know what fight I would like to see uh, with Ty? Yeah. Him versus Tom Aspinall. That's a, that's Ooh. a killer of a fight. Oh, that's dangerous. That's an amazing fight. That's dangerous as well. Tom, Tom Aspinall being like a big, hot UK prospect. Yeah. Um, very good in the striking department. And, you know, he's well-rounded himself. He's got good footwork and he's super light for a heavyweight. Yeah, he's very fast. I don't, I don't mean for I mean don't mean in terms of mass. I mean in terms of he trimmed down a little bit actually his last fight, but he's he's so like quick in and out, and his punches are lightning quick. Like honestly, he is he's a really interesting pro prospect at, at heavyweight, and I think Ty. I mean, Ty has never been really being given easy fights. I think he's never been given no, easy fights, no. right? I just think Ty's up for the challenge. He doesn't give a fuck who he fights in the yeah. heavyweight division, either top 10 or top 15. And he does deserve a top 15. I think maybe a Sergei Spivak or the person in me, like the the, the, the fight fan in me, really wants him to fight Tom Aspinall because yeah. that is a belt of a fight. Well, not even that, but he's also a money pick now. He's now a um, beloved fighter by the crowd. Mm. He draws in the money and he's not even ranked. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Being a fighter who's not even ranked and being very popular amongst fans is a big thing yeah. because later on down the line, if he's from, he's proving that he is who he says he is and you know he's backing up his hype with wins, that's what you want as well, especially in the heavyweight division where they don't fight as much, you know? So 
I'm quite excited to see who Tyler's going to get next. I uh, just maybe hopefully he could be a little bit more, you know, active here and there. Uh, yeah, and I don't know, but here's the other half of the thing I've got to think about right now. What's really next for Greg Hardy? Greg Hardy's, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, you know what I mean? It's a very um strange uh, place, and he's not really that much loved by fans. Just because of the way he kind of acts and portrays himself, plus he's had the issues of, like, he's had his own... Um, Legal battles and yeah. things like that in his own personal life, um, as well as the inhaler gate and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and so and another thing I wanted to bring up as well here's why Tai Tavasa should Tai Tavasa should fight Masin Tabira is because Masin Tabira has beaten Greg Hardy. Yeah, and that was uh, his last yeah. loss. Yeah, I mean, if you really go, the main reason why I a new tie is very durable, and he's and. You know, if he can put out a larger man like Stephen Struvat, he can take out anyone in the heavyweight division. And you can bank on that kind of power and that durability that he that he has, right? Mm-hmm. I the the main reason why I picked Ty as well was like I didn't think Greg was I think Greg Hardy's been pushed too soon. He's been given yeah. he's been given a mix, a very drastic mix of opponents. Look, yeah. so so one was uh, his no contest against Sosoli. Right yep. after that, he fought Ale- Alexander Volkov. Yeah, who's who, who, who's one of the best in the light, uh, the heavyweight division yeah. now currently. Then he fought Jorgen De Castro. Jorgen De Castro is actually um, well, he beat him by decision. But Jorgen De Castro, he's not even in the UFC anymore. He's been booted out. Yeah, right. And then you've got he he. Knocked out uh, Maurice Green. Yeah. Right? Maurice Green. I don't think he's in the UFC anymore. I think he's been kicked out, right? Yeah, and he's got a, a record of nine and seven. Then he fought Ma- Marcin Tybura. Marcin Tybura is currently, I think, number eight or nine in the rankings right now. Ten. Again, number 10? Yep, him. Number, number 10 in the rankings, right? So he's either given quite... I don't want to say poor. I want to say lower class fighters, yep. and then he'll fight some really high class fighters yeah. and it's it's a weird move I'll be honest it's a bit it's a weird move in order for he's obviously learnt and he's quickly learning I just don't think he's as good as he's cracked up to be and he's mainly fighting on athletic and his just yeah. his athletic like genetics and things like that so and his sporting background so with Greg I think he's just came off two um, big KO losses Needs to take time off. Because yeah. his last loss was in December of last year. He's taken six months off, or well, seven months off, four again. I think he should maybe fight at the end of the year, maybe, if not next year. He needs some time off, I think. When it comes with like the heavyweights, where a lot of these top fighters, they can take out anyone's chin, regardless. Um, you need your chin, and I think he needs to recuperate. Things like that. It's good for his career that way. With Ty, I reckon uh, I agree. Sergey Spivak or myself, I really want to see Tom Aspinall fight him. That's a fucking cool fight. Yeah, that's a good fight. Um, Sean, Sean O'Malley. That that was a that was a wild fight. Since if you're looking at the betting line, what was he minus one thousand? Minus one thousand. He was a, yeah. Well, the situation was he was supposed to fight Lewis Smoker. Lewis Smoker. And then he pulled then out. What was the issue with Lewis Smoker? I'm forgetting. Uh, put it, I put it up on our Instagram. Uh, he, he, I've forgotten what, what I, I know he broke a bone. I think he broke his collarbone or something. Oh, okay. Broke okay. a rib. Hold on. I'll just pull it up. Uh, 
Was it a rib? I think it might have been a rib. No, no, you're right. Um, uh, was that? Oh no, it was due to an infection. Oh, okay, okay, an infection. Yeah. So originally, Lewis, um, Sean O'Malley was okay. I remember now. Sean O'Malley, um, set came out and said, "I'm not surprised." And then he wanted to write. Uh, and then he wanted to fight uh, Ricky Simon, but they couldn't agree on weight. Well, Ricky Simone was one of the people that put their their name in the hat, yeah. and then basically he. He must have been, so he cuts to 135 and it it must be a little bit of a drastic cut because yeah. he couldn't get there. But what I didn't understand was, and I think Chael Sutton also mentioned it, was why put your name in the hat if you don't have the time to cut down to the weight? Why put your name in the hat? It's just, it's just silly. Why, why, why put your name out there and then... Did he think maybe he could make it and then he tried to cut the weight and he couldn't? Or I'm just confused by that. Why you would say, all right, I'll fight him, but did you want to catch weight or something like that? It doesn't yeah. quite make sense. So with Sean, um, even Sean started mentioning going to featherweight, which I don't think is a good move at all. Um, I think you should stay at Bantamweight. I think it's perfect there. Look, Sean is very similar to Connor and Izzy in terms of the striking department because they're so good at footwork. And pullback counters. It's just pullback counters and fainting. He's yeah. really good at that no look, uh, that turn, um, cross. And he's he's very and he also like as he likes to say by Stangel, he'll yeah. he he's able to switch legs as as quickly as he as he likes um, in order to avoid those calf kicks and things like that. So he's so as well so incredibly accurate. Nearly every one of his strikes landed. And and Chris just took it on the chin. Everyone <laughs> said beforehand, you don't know this Martino guy. He has a solid chin. And he like just he's tough. He's just a tough bastard. And he is. I he think is I also tough. pointed this out when during the fight. It's like we got two customizable uh video game characters fighting each other. With we the got colorful hair and shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one with pink hair and all these tattoos. And then we got one with green hair mm. and I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> I think he's always had um, colorful hair. I think yeah, he, he also I think yeah. he originally had pink or pink, purple yeah, hair yeah, or something like purple. that. Yeah, it just, it, it's it's a, yeah, it's definitely um, a bit of a show, which is okay. But one thing I really am proud of is how far O'Malley has come since his loss to Marlon Vera. Mm. I feel like it's time for him to get a ranked opponent now. I th- I think too, and I because he just absolutely outclassed him. Yeah, he did. He, it was just. I know Martino was very upset about the stoppage, right? And I, I didn't agree with the stoppage since there was only 30 seconds left. Okay. Just let it go. Yeah. However. However. Yeah. He was getting fucked up constantly. Yeah. He like, was getting busted. It, 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 was, it was constant. It was, there was constant pressure from Chris. But he when he put the pressure on him, Sean didn't like it and it was taxing his gas tank. But he Chris wasn't throwing any strikes of his own he was yeah. basically just absorbing strikes yeah and affecting sean's conditioning there was there was nothing else yeah that was there was there was taking place he I had a couple strikes but other than that yeah he sean would just jab his face off yeah. constantly and chris originally in the first round had a really high tight guard yeah after that at the end of the first round where he had there was the one knockdown of the fight it went off from there his hands were down. He was tired himself. 
mm. kept pushing forwards, and he kept on getting his face striked off. Yeah. So, um, although I didn't agree with the timing of the stoppage, maybe it was warranted because of the amount of damage he took. Because that's a lot of trauma. Yeah, that's a lot of trauma. That's yeah, a lot of trauma, and in uh, in Sean's case. He says, I agree with the referee stoppage because in 30 seconds, I could have got at least a 10 more, 15 or 30 more strikes in. Mm. And with those fights, they always want to get as many strikes in they can in the last 10 seconds, make the last 10 seconds as, uh, count as much as they can. Like mm. they're behind on points. So I reckon, I feel like also for hats off for Chris because he took the fight on quite short notice. Mm. And... He went up against a guy who was very beloved by fans. Definitely on a rise. He's definitely a rising star. And not even that, but Sean O'Malley's stock's even gone up further in the company because now he, he's not even, again, he's not he's not really a ranked opponent. He hasn't fought a ranked opponent yet. But just the way that he outclassed him as well and he was showboating, like especially with pretending to be playing basketball and all that. And then he had the he whole... He said he was doing it for the New York Knicks. Oh, there you go. <coughs> that was before that fight. Before the fight, he said, uh, "I dedicate this KO to the to the New York Knicks." Yeah, yeah. He said he wanted to get a second round knockout, but he didn't really get that in. But he, uh, I reckon he would have put. It, could, I reckon he could have put him away in those last thirty seconds. I reckon there was an absolute chance he would have got put him away in those last thirty seconds. Yeah, just given the but amount of damage that he dealt. There, there was there is the chance of that, but based off the amount of volume. He took. I reckon if maybe if there was another round, I reckon that was that I would agree with you. I think the last thirty seconds and Sean had his gas tank depleted. I think mm-hmm. he would have just simply just absorbed way more strikes. There might have been another knockdown, but I don't think it would have been finished. Yeah. But it basically, just got saved. Yeah. Just, just got saved from from himself and and because uh, that is the referee's job in the end of the day to save the fires from themselves. Not just the the fighters. It's also the. It's not common in MMA, or specifically the UFC, like throwing in the towel. Yeah. But it's also your coaches. Yeah. I think the coaches probably are also responsible. They should have also thrown in. They went look for those first two rounds. He's been getting fucked up. The third round has not changed. He's literally just walking and walking into punches. He's getting credit for what he's doing, but he's also getting credit for being a punching bag. Right, and it's that's not a good like you you've got heart, but it still means you're getting trauma regardless of yeah. other people's pleasure. So look, you, you they should have probably thrown in the towel as well. Um, I, I saw a lot of people react to Sean's kind of post fight call out. He did the reason why he called out so many people, and they're they're all quite high ranked. Is he knows he's got star power, but he also said after I beat um after I lost a, a Cheeto Vera. Cheeto fought Jose Aldo. Yeah. How does the, he says the rankings don't matter anymore. So he called out Rob Font, Dominic Cruz. Yeah. A lot of them, right? Again, too soon. Maybe a Cody Garbrandt would be, uh, would be okay. However, Cody is still very, very good. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he should fight someone who has called him out. Cody Stammen. Ooh. That's an excellent fight. Otherwise, I think he fights maybe a Kyler Phillips who's also very technical on the feet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, maybe an Asanzao, maybe a Hafio Asanzao, that would be a good fight. I was going to say Marab, 
But I th- Marab's already got a fight, and yeah. I think Marab would fuck him up. I'll be honest. I yeah, think Marab's so good, and his gas tank is fire. Yeah, I'm so high on and Marab. And he's jacked for a bantamweight. Absolutely jacked. fucking jacked. He's, he's huge, and I think uh, not that Sean wouldn't do well against Marab. I just I think Marab beats him. Fuck. Yeah, that's a f- that's a brutal fight for anyone at and bantamweight. He, and again, we say this: Sean's got time on his side. Just get better, man. What, what is he? Just keep getting better. I think he's 26, 27. Yeah. What's the rush, dude? You're already phenomenal. Just get a bit better and slowly work your way up. But I feel like it's time to take a step into the top 10 rankings or top mm. 15 rankings. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about one of my, like, so after Ilya Taporia made his debut, mm-hmm. I looked at him and I went, this guy's a prospect. Yeah. I put it up on our social media, on our story and said, mm-hmm. This guy is a is a prospect, and uh, he was flying under the radar for a little bit. You know, he was flying under the radar. I mean, I I watched him on his debut. I think it was quite early in the morning. I went, "Fuck, this guy is good. Yeah, he's really good. He's he's good on he's good on he's well rounded. Look, he's he he can wrestle. Yeah, he has sharp striking. Yeah, he can. I just rate fighters that have little holes to their game. Yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But it was interesting to see how he would do against Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall kept going for the same Imanari. It wasn't really quite an Imanari role. It was... It wasn't, he wasn't. He would just try and dive for the leg, but yeah. it wasn't quite an Imanari role. He would just try and roll into a heel hook without yeah. doing an actual Imanari role. Yeah. Because Ryan Hall's BJJ pedigree is so bloody high. And mm. he's the kind of guy that not really many people even want to fight. No one wanted to fight him. And to put your hand up and to fight the guy who no one wants to fight, especially when you're this early into the UFC, is huge as well. I mean, because in, in um, Tapari's only 7 0, 8 0 now. Mm. There you go. And no, Reinhold. 10 0. 10 0, sorry. And then, well, what's, what was Reinhold's record? I uh, don't know at this point. I'll, I'll have a look. But, I mean,. Not a whole lot is said. A lot is said is about Ryan Hall's ground game. His striking isn't as well talked about. Yeah. And he's good on the feet. Yeah, sorry. Like his, um, his actual boxing isn't up to par with the other elite strikers, but his kicking game is good. He has really good flexibility yeah. due to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu working in the 50-50 um, position, but... Yeah. It, which carries over to, like, kicking. He does a lot of, he does a lot of like, hook kicks and... Um, as well as like spinning, spinning hook kicks and spinning back kicks and things like that, he's good on the feet as well. Yeah. In, um, in terms of leg kicks and things like that, it's just Tapori is solid. He's solid as a brick. He's smart. He's intelligent. Yeah. Uh, undefeated fighter. He's a big prospect prospect through Georgia, and I, I think Taporia needs a uh, a ranked opponent. Yeah. I think I think he needs well, a. Well, he's opponent. only three fights into the UFC. Um. Mm. You know, it's also, I think he wants to be, um, he's, what is it? He's from Halle, uh, Germany. He was born in Germany, but I think he had like the, um. So he was raised, raised in Georgia. Pori. Yeah. Um, and the, but it's, he had the Spanish flag behind him. And he calls himself El Matador. Mm. Yeah. So I'm get yeah. Uh, well, he was born in Germany. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he has the Georgian flag. Yeah. And so he must be born in Germany, raised in Georgia. Yeah, probably has some Spanish descent. Yeah, because he look he has he looks 
a little bit Spanish. Yeah. Um, look, he needs a ranked opponent, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I don't rush him too quick, but I, I think he's... If you can go through Ryan Hall, who yeah. no one wants to touch, um, yeah, he's he's got a... I, I think he needs a ranked opponent. Yeah. I think he needs a ranked opponent next. Um, any idea who you who you suggest? Mm-hmm. It's it's a hard one to get really because he, he, he the featherweight division is so um so bloody stacked and it is also one of my divi- um my favorite divisions. In terms of a ranked opponent, we talking top fifteen. Top fifteen, I think maybe an Alex Caseras. Okay, who is is also um a very interesting fighter as well. I think. Uh, I think Tapura should fight maybe Alex Caceres or a Shane Burgos. That's a cool fight. Um, with Ryan Hall, I think the dude's bloody good. Really good on the ground in that 50-50 position. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps just needs to make his game... He needs to like maybe do more setups because I think he, he kept going for the same position and I think everybody knows he's going to go for that so they can do a lot of drilling for that. I think maybe he needs to show off more elements of his overall Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu game because he'd be good in so many other areas. He doesn't just have to go for heel hooks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking maybe a Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, maybe a Bryce. Oh, that would be cool as well. Yeah, so with Ilya Tapori, he was managing to, whenever he got his foot caught, he would disengage and make as much space as he could. Um, and there was a moment in the fight where Ryan Hall tried to go for one of those spinning hook kicks um, and, and sometime one of the one of the disadvantages of spinning hook kicks coming from like a taekwondo background is it's really it's really good at if you miss then they disengage. It's really good to make them scared and be in your kicking range, mm-hmm. right? But if you do it too slow and you come too wide someone can intercept quite quickly and they have your back, mm-hmm. which is very easy for you to get taken down. Or what happened was to put a lot of pressure on him, smacked him, and then Ryan Hall had uh, an arm underneath, or his right arm underneath, and Tapuri was just in side control, just teeing off him, bang, yeah. bang, bang, and he put Ryan's, uh, he put his lights out. So uh, Tapuri is like, he's he's got the whole package, to be honest. He looks like he's got cardio. He looks like he's got the, he's got the power. He's intelligent. He don't, uses a lot of fakes. Mm-hmm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He can wrestle and take you down. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking solid fighter, dude. I think he fights in Alex Caceres. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's solid. Um, another solid prospect next week is the Makachev. The one that we've all had eyes on for a while. He's on a seven-fight win streak right now. And it is would be disgraceful to not give him a rank to p- top 10 opponent after this. We got number nine. Fighting number 14. Yeah. Tiago Ma- Moses. What the fuck? He's like, it's almost insulting to Islam, considering the way that he absolutely smothered Drew Dober in his last fight. Mm. And then he's just, he's ped- he's obviously being groomed right now to be champion by um, Khabib, because Khabib's in his corner. Mm-hmm. He trains religiously with him. And just his ground game is just too bloody good. Um Tiago Moses, I mean, he's number 14. It's not, I'm not saying he's a bad fighter, but it's almost like they kind of thrown him to the wolves on this one. 
He's quite a young fighter, to be honest. He's yeah. 26 years old. He is on a three-fight win streak. He's accumulated some good wins. Okay. Um, the only two wins of, of late that I could say are quite significant is the Alex Hernandez fight that he, he beat um, by decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, he submitted Michael Johnson, which even though Michael Johnson has fell off, that's still a big feather in yeah. his cap, yeah. to be honest. Uh, since Michael Johnson used to be quite high up there in the in the top five, just outside the top five in the yeah. lightweight division. So um Tiago Moses is like like he's a solid fighter. He is really solid. He's yeah. he's 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 fifteen and four in his record. Yeah, he's been in the LFA and the UFC. Yeah. Um and he is a solid fighter. It's just Islam's just too good. Yeah. And it is a proper mismatch because no no one has a proper understanding and and like a proper defense mm-hmm. as of late to counter the the sambo uh style of wrestling and pressure yeah that smothering suffocating pressure that yeah. the, they, these elite sambo fighters mm-hmm. produce yeah he's and he's they don't 19, have a defense for it and he's 19 and 1 as well He's damn good. He's, he's very so se- he's good, seasoned, man. especially for his age as well. Mm. He's not even 30 yet. Uh I don't see a reason why I wouldn't believe that Islam's not going to not going to win this fight. Uh I feel like it's going to be fair cut. I feel like Islam will just put that pressure on him the first couple of rounds, f- make sure he's feel it out, wear him out and then probably make him tap in the third round. I reckon he'll win by submission in that third round. Uh I feel like that's the way it's going to go. Um, he, I reckon, one thing he, do, he he has improved on over time is his striking. He's got very he's got very very good reach. I think he has better striking than Habib. Yeah, that's one people. That's one thing we were arguing last. Uh, I don't think his wrestling is as good as Habib's. No, but but I think his striking got, is good better than Habib's. Yeah, and he's got quite a few wins as well by knockout. Well, his uh, his coach. Um, Javier Mendez, he often says the only person to probably take rounds yeah. from Habib in training is Islam. Yeah. He's damn good on the feet. Yeah. Not even that, but um, Khabib's dad even in, uh, endorsed him before he died as well. Mm. He was saying about they're much, much he loves his son, but there are even better fighters mm. up and coming. And he was one of them that he was mentioned. And, uh, Magomedov, um, Ankalev, um, Mag- so Magomedov, Ankalev. He was the other one who was endorsed as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think he also endorsed Pedian as Pedian well. Pedian as well. Yeah. 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 So that's where, I mean, there's not really too much I can say other than the fact that I feel like this will be a clean cut, easy win for Islam. Sorry, not an easy win, but it, I just don't see him yeah. losing. It's similar to the Sean O'Malley fight, where it's a drastic mismatch between. Yeah between fighters and a lot of people can't understand why it's occurring. I know Islam, no one wants to fight him. I get it. No one wants to fight him. Everyone was shit scared of Habib and now they're shit scared of Islam. Yeah, not even that, but Islam wants fucking Chandler. Islam does want Chandler. Yeah. I think Islam, uh, maybe after this, can maybe call for maybe a a Tony Ferguson, an oh. RDA, or a Dan Hooker. Oh, But... Or an Islam Markachev or a, or a Gregor Gillespie would be a sick fight as well because Gregor Gillespie comes from a, a really good wrestling background as well. 
he beat Michael Chandler in the mm. NCAA anyway. So that would be a fucking cool fight. I still think Islam probably beats Gregor Gillespie. I'll be I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, but um, look, because they're because both people are, oh actually Gregor Gillespie versus Islam Makhachev would be a very cool fight because they're very similar in that they can strike. But their bread and butter is really excellent wrestling, mm-hmm. and they both have amazing cardio and conditioning. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a cool fight after this. But uh, it's almost disrespectful to say start mentioning Islam's next fight. Yeah. To Tio, I mean, anything can happen. It's just uh, I take Islam in this fight. Yeah. And I, I would say I think Islam submits Tiago Moses. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. What round though? I said round three. I think round two. Two. I think round two he submits him. Yeah, I think round two he submits him. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I just I just think maybe by rear naked choke. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Rear naked choke or arm triangle or I want to say. You're just listing like tons of submissions. Well, there's a few that's in my head that I reckon he'll definitely go for. If I had to choose three. I don't think he's going to go for another head and arm choke. Yeah, he, I think the. Uh, I know we've had a lot of comments on the, the why we said that. Like he, he did submit a Drew Dober and he did it properly in half guard. But he did it in half guard, yeah. which means, which means exhaustion did pay play a big factor, yeah. right? So, I don't see him. He could do a head and arm choke, but I don't see him doing it in half half guard again unless yeah he tires Thiago Moses out, which would mean it would have to be in a later round, like the third round anyway. But yeah. I, I think. I think Islam's well-rounded and he, he just beats beats Chowgad. I think he smashes him out of the water, yeah. for sure. Um, another fight you were really excited about was the Trevin Giles fight against... Um, now, we're not, I don't want to fuck his name up. Cause <laughs> it's, he's, he's, a, he's a South African fighter. Uh, Drikus Duplessis. Uh, Duplessis. No, uh, Duplessis. 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 Look, this is a last set podcast where if you fight yeah, stuff, people say no, no, but you don't pronounce it because it's it sounds it's a bit of a like a French name. I know you sound kind of, it's a South African fighter, but you say uh, Duplessis. Yeah, yeah, Drikus Duplessis. Yeah, you don't pronounce the is. Um, interesting fight. Very very interesting fight. I think a lot of there is someone that's really gone under the radar is. Duplessis, actually, yeah. to be honest, because he's an ex-KSW fight uh, uh, a champion, which is uh, the major promotion in, like, Russia and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another organization that I can't cry about. Is it EFC, I think it is? Yes. And he was a um, two-weight division EFC champion. Yeah, he well. was in the FC Africa, which is... It's, it's the South African kind yeah. of major promotion, like Eternal MMA is kind of the one in Australia. Yeah. Um, look, he comes around with a lot of hype, uh, but he's largely underrated. Yeah, he's f- 27 years old. Mm. He's freakishly jacked, dude. Mm. Um, he's a second degree black belt in kickboxing. Um, mm. and he's fought also in welterweight. And he just he just flattened Trevor Giles with just one punch, and it was insane. It was right off the right off the cage as well in the second round, and everyone went whoa as well. It, just stunned the whole crowd and he won one of the performance bonuses Mm, mm. of the fight. Uh, I feel like he's important because he's a rising prospect and he said in previous interviews that he wants, he wants to be the first ever South African champion Mm. because I don't think there are many 
South African fighters in not, the UFC. Not many. I'll not many. They're very, very, many. very, very few. So, I, I mean, I reckon I could potentially see it one day if he just gets pushed. Uh, but I don't. But the reason why everyone was uh, quite impressed with him is well because when he first came into the UFC was on uh, Morales versus Sanhagen fight night, where he's uh, knocked out Marcus Perez within the first round. So now he's got on, and then now he's got another knockout. He's the type, and when you come into the UFC for the first time, and you're not already knocking him, knocking him out, there's a quicker pathway to the rankings than someone who comes in and just wins by decision, because it comes down to your marketability, your fighting style, and also your likability from the uh, audience. Right now, he's a young prospect, and he's doing everything right. They love highlight reels. They love highlight reels, yeah. yeah. Especially the knockout highlight reels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, he, and he did very well to knock out uh, Giles. Um, I would probably like for him not to be rushed too early because technically he's only really had two fights in the UFC. Correct. And actually, he doesn't have a proper... I looked up, he doesn't have a proper Wikipedia page mm. even yet. That Wikipedia has, I didn't know, Wikipedia has rules. If you're an MMA fighter, you need to have two fights in a, in a major promotion like uh, One or Bellator or U, or the UFC or Invicta mm-hmm. in order for you to like be allowed to have a proper fight page on really? Wikipedia. Yes, yeah, so you have to have two or more... F- Two or more fights, but um, but if you go onto a place like Sherdog, they they got everything. He's on Sherdog and Topology, yeah. of course. Yeah, but Wikipedia, they don't they don't have them. That's the thing. Yeah. So it, it's quite even though he's got really good performances and things like that, and he comes from a good background in mm-hmm. terms of his own, you know, the South African um, circuit and things like that. I think he needs to just have a little bit more time. I don't know who he fights next, um, but. He's someone to watch for sure. He's underrated for sure. Mm-hmm. Really, really good fight to see. Because um, we brought up Islam Markachev um, and and that fight card against uh, Tiago Moses. Now, there's another fight I'm really interested in, and I'll, I'll be interested to see your take on that as well. So we've got Hadolfo Vieira versus Dustin Stolfsis. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting fight for me personally because... Vieira has transitioned from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and done very well to enter the UFC with the amount of fights he's had, right? He's got a really excellent Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background. Um, I mean, his accomplishments at AGCC, you know, they speak for themselves and things like that. He's a multiple-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion uh, in Brazil and things like that as well. So he's very, very good on the ground. Mm. He's a, got an incredibly muscular physique yeah. for someone of his weight class, class yeah. and I have no idea how he makes weight. But in his last fight, he lost to Anthony Hernandez. And that first round was very strange how quickly he burnt out. Yeah. And I think maybe it was an issue of conditioning and less of an issue of his physique. I think... Uh, I just don't know how it happened. Yeah. I don't know how he burnt out so quickly. Not even that, but you lose by submission, especially when you're a four-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion and a seven-time World Cup champion. And he, Come on, man. It's, um, it's a bit of a strange way to go. Um... So I, de- I definitely reckon, again, it's, what can I say is like, 
when you when you're a BJJ black belt and you're competing in mainly BJJ your whole life, you gotta understand like when it goes transitioning into UFC, it's not you know you're not wearing a gi or wearing match cards or all that. It's everything's there. It's on the line and everything. Every all the fights standing up. You know, there's BJJ's. If you have a strong um, ground game, that's a good place to start. But then to go straight away from that into the USC, it doesn't kind of cross over that world, but cross over that well, because um, mm. you've got one section of it just nailed down. You need to have, you know, kicking and striking and understand distance control. And there's so many more, and pace, and so many more things that go into factor into it. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're doing it later on in your life, when he's 31. Yeah, doesn't look 31, by the way. No, he does not. He looks he looks like he's still in his early 20s for crying yeah. out loud. But yeah, um, I mean, with Hudolfo Vieira, he's an interesting he's an interesting fighter because he's only got one knockout on his record. Mm-hmm. The rest of his other wins, his seven wins, um, the rest of them are all by submission. Yeah. Like, naturally, because of his really amazing uh, grappling pedigree, right? Which directly translates over to MMA very well since, well, 90% of most fights go to the ground. So he's very, very good there if he just pulls guard or if he manages to strike and then pull the pressure and take his back. It's He's very good at controlling the opponent and then squeezing and submitting them. It was very weird to see him getting submitted himself, by Anthony Hernandez, mm-hmm. and it was mainly just due to exhaustion. He was yeah. so exhausted he didn't even fight the choke. Yeah, it just got sunk in, and he was like, "Okay, he w- he was like, okay, I'm out, yeah. he, I'm out." It's um, I think uh, that performance has probably affected a lot of people's like idea of Vieira, but I think Vieira has got a bit of a mismatch himself against. His next fight against Dustin uh, Stolfsis. Yeah. That's why I think so as well. I feel like Dustin might will, will probably have this one. Y- no, I don't. I think Vieira will win. Really? Okay. I just I put my money on Dustin. Really? Yeah. The reason was because of his uh, kickboxing pedigree mm-hmm. and his kickboxing ability, and you know, obviously the fight's going to start stay st- start standing. I reckon he's going to try and do everything he can to keep it standing and put him away. Plus, he also too is coming off a loss as well, so I reckon he's got something a little to, bit more to prove. Kyle Dorcas, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Dustin, him. It, well, they're both coming off a one fight losing streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vieira losing to Anthony Hernandez um, due to guillotine, and then Dustin Stolfkas, he lost a, a decision to Kyle Dorcas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Dustin's a little bit too green in terms of his competition, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only had one fight in the in the UFC, if you're not counting the Contender Series, and mm-hmm. and he and he lost it. And in the Contender Series, he he did beat his opponent b- by slamming them, but it was mainly due to arm injury, mm. right in the first round. So there's a few questions around Dustin for me. Um, I think Dustin's good on the feet and things like that. And I, I know that he's very good on the ground as well because, you know, in his fight before the Contender Series, um, his last win was by a twister, which is not a common submission. You know, no. you, you have to be quite adept on the ground in order to actually pull those off. You know, he didn't do it in the UFC, but the only two people that come to mind in the UFC that have pulled that off is Korean Zombie and Bryce Mitchell, yeah. who are very good on the ground. So um, I think Dustin's probably a bit too green, I'll be honest. I think Vieira has had... Less time in MMA, mm-hmm. but he has had, like, 
if you look at his record, he's 109 mm-hmm. in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions, right? I think I think Vieira is just experienced competition way more. Mm-hmm. Now they're similar. They're similar height. I think Dustin's only like one inch taller. Yep. Similar reach. Vieira's got power. He's a big guy. I think uh, I think he'll smother Dustin. I think he'll I think he'll submit Dustin. Scoffless. Yeah. I think uh, he just needs to be wary of taking strikes from someone that's good on the feet like Dustin. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think Vieira will submit Dustin in the. Second round. Okay. You say second round submission? Second round submission. I'm saying second round knockout. By Dustin. By Dustin, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, sweet. I reckon we can finish up there. Crack it yeah, up yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a good place to end. Anyway, guys, thank you very much. That was a proper solid episode as well. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, now, guys, make sure you stay updated on social media. Um, posting quite heavily. Uh, check out previous, uh, previous episodes. And as always, guys, we thank you very much for your support. Uh, and Jack yeah thanks so much for the support guys I really appreciate it um, we've officially done this for over a year now yeah just over a year yeah so if you guys can subscribe really appreciate it and um, just drop a comment below just have a chat with us thanks guys appreciate it guys bye 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 thank you <laughs>